The cardboard sign read, please help. And the man who sat behind it was confined to a mat begging for someone to extend mercy towards him. You could find this man in the same spot outside the city gate each day. Day after day, people passed by him. Most refused to even look his way, and on occasion, someone would stop and offer him food or give him some money. His face was worn, and atrophy had made his legs frail and twisted. He was paralyzed from the waist down and forced to drag himself wherever he went, unless, of course, someone was nice enough to help carry him. Unfortunately, his paralysis defined him, not his personality. Many thought that he was receiving his just punishment from God for the sins that he had committed, but no one could prove it. He knew their thoughts, and truth be told, he began to think that they were right. His paralysis wasn't confined to his physical state. It had also worked its way into his mind and also into his heart. You see, it's one thing to be shunned by the world, but it's another to feel rejected by God. This man lived a lonely and broken life. And then one day, everything changed. Word had spread that a man named Jesus had come back to Capernaum. He had been on the other side of the Sea of Galilee, and the word on the street was that he had healed two demon-possessed men. Jesus was was gaining a crowd of followers because he was healing the sick and he was cleansing lepers and casting out demons. And his disciples had shared that he even calmed a storm on the sea. Jesus was traveling through town, which just happened to be the town in which this man lived in. As the man continued to beg, watching people pass by him, several men who knew his infirmities stooped down and offered to take him to Jesus They picked him up and carried him by his mat to where Jesus was. These men knew that if Jesus could heal the lepers, cure the sick, and even cast out demons, that surely this man could also heal this paralytic. Upon arrival, the men set the paralytic down before Jesus without having to say a word. Jesus knew this man's pain, and he knew why they had brought him. Matthew tells us, When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, Have confidence, child. Your sins are forgiven. Did you catch that? It doesn't say when Jesus saw his faith. Matthew says when Jesus saw their faith. See, Jesus responds to the men who bring the paralytic to him. They believe that Jesus is the only one who can change this man's life, ridding him from his infirmity that prevents him from being a poor beggar. Jesus sees their faith and intends to make this paralytic a believer also. Yet his response seems to be a little bit out of bounds to the real issue that's at stake here. This man can't walk, and Jesus can clearly see that. So why is he ignoring that he's paralyzed and pronouncing that his sins are forgiven. Jesus has radically done something that no one except the high priest has the authority to do, to proclaim God's forgiveness. This immediately gets the attention of the teachers of the law, and they begin to say to themselves, this fellow is blasphemy. Now the focus is turned away from the paralyzed man who lays on his mat to Jesus. And he now has their full attention, and he knows exactly what they are thinking. 
And he isn't afraid to address the elephant in the room. So he looks right at the teachers of the law and he says to them, Why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts? Which is easier to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, Get up, take your mat, and go home. The teachers of the law certainly didn't feel that their accusation of blasphemy was unwarranted, much less evil. Jesus had just broken the third commandment. He had taken the Lord's name in vain by pardoning the man's sins in the name of God. They know that God is the only one who can forgive sins. In fact, the prophet Isaiah proclaimed God's message to Israel saying, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sins no more. They know that God is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and that God's mercy is from everlasting to everlasting. But Jesus has crossed the line and was speaking now on behalf of God. And furthermore, sacrifices must be offered for forgiveness of sin. And this was to be done only by the high priest on behalf of the people. The Day of Atonement, or Yom Kippur, was set aside once a year for the appropriate sacrifices to be made for the people. And Jesus was stepping outside the bounds of traditional Israelite practices and making himself the high priest by declaring this man's sins forgiven. In addition, the man had not repented. and He was not fasting, which was appropriate for the Day of Atonement. Now the teachers of law are appalled at what has just transpired before their very eyes. And blasphemy was a charge guilty of death. In their eyes, Jesus had just made himself equal with God and was guilty of the greatest form of heresy. That's why Matthew writes so intentionally to get our attention, but our translation today doesn't do it justice. He literally begins by saying, Behold, some men brought to him. In other words, Matthew is saying, Pay attention to this. Matthew wants us to understand the authority that Jesus has. He's already given us stories of healing that happen when Jesus touches someone or declares them well from afar. He's shown us that Jesus has authority over demons that oppress people, that Jesus can even control the elements by calming the storm. Behold, pay attention. Jesus is pardoning sin, says Matthew. This is serious stuff with major implications. So why? does Jesus intentionally offer forgiveness of sins when he knows that it would attract unwanted attention? He could have just healed the man from his sickness, which is what the men who brought him expected him to do. But he knows that this man's hurt goes well beyond his legs. He sees beyond the obvious infirmity and speaks in a way that offers healing that's far more necessary than you and I realize. He's also addressing the theological issue of sin and disease. In the Old Testament, it was believed that if you followed God, you'd be blessed. But if you didn't, that you would be cursed. Yet Psalm 103 reminds us, Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives your sins and heals all your diseases. Even the Old Testament story of Job goes against This understanding for Job was very faithful to God and he lost everything, even becoming plagued with boils. 
And his friends came to his aid, but eventually they broke their silence, asking him what he had done to anger God and to bring this punishment upon himself. They thought that he had sinned and that God was punishing him. Even in the Gospel of John, we find Jesus' disciples asking him, Who sinned, this man or his parents, that this man was born blind? Jesus responds, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Jesus, you see, challenges their understanding of sin and disease. Now, there's no doubt that there are instances in Scripture where the sins of the people result in consequences and in punishment by God. David and Bathsheba's child died as a result of their adulterous affair, and Pharaoh's firstborn son died because of his refusal to follow God's commands. Moses' sister Miriam became leprous for her jealousy against Moses. And even the people of Israel wandered in circles for 40 years in the desert for their lack of trust and obedience towards God. You see, their theology wasn't completely wrong, but it wasn't completely right either. And so Jesus looks into the eyes of a man who's been told that he's not good enough for far too long. And he tells him to have confidence, to take courage, not in himself, but in the one who stands in front of him. And he calls him child. Our translation says son, but actually the word is child, not to belittle him but to remind him that he belongs to the living God. And he pardons his sins because he knows that he is carrying guilt that has weighed on his mind and burdened his heart for years. Jesus isn't just trying to cause a stir here. He's healing this man from the inside out. Yes, Jesus ushers the kingdom of heaven on earth. And in this particular moment, he removes the paralysis of this man's heart and he sets him free. And knowing that the teachers of the law aren't convinced of his authority, he commands the man to get up and to take his mat and to go home. You see, the work of forgiveness is an invisible miracle that only the paralytic can experience for himself, but his physical healing is something that everyone in the crowd can see. So the man who begged outside of the city gate day after day, the one they all knew and saw every day, he got up in full view of them all and he walked for the first time. And when the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe, and they praised God for giving such authority to man. His healing makes it clear that God has given Jesus the authority to do such a thing. Jesus even tells uh, us this at the end of Matthew's gospel, saying to us, All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. I find that there are people just like the paralytic today. Some are in wheelchairs and may never physically walk again, but most of them have legs that work just fine. Their paralysis isn't visible, and you won't find them holding cardboard signs pleading for help. Yet inside they hold deep hurts, paralyzing them with guilt, believing that they're not good enough or worthy to be loved by God. Some have difficult pasts, while others have simply listened and believed the many voices that have demeaned and belittled them. You see, paralysis allows the past to control the present with no real hope for the future. Many paralytics walk around with smiles on their faces, acting like everything is absolutely okay, but inside their hearts cry out for help. 
They can even sit in the church pews, failing to truly hear the good news of God's forgiveness. And so Jesus has come to confront this disease. Matthew reminds us later in his gospel, a bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out until he brings justice to victory. You see, Jesus looks straight into the paralytic's eyes, down into his heart, and he says to him, and he says to us, Have confidence, child. Your sins are forgiven. Get up, take your mat, and go home. Jesus doesn't want us to listen to the chatter that exists around us. He wants us to listen to his voice and to know the peace of God that heals you from the inside out. Jesus heals our heart so that we may stand up and walk as a living testimony to his grace, no longer plagued by guilt. This is what the psalmist exclaims, saying, Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, and who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. You see, all who have experienced this healing in their hearts must praise the Lord, and we do this because of our faith in him. We're reminded by Matthew that all of this took place because a few men who had faith in Jesus took the time to bring a paralytic to him. And we too are called to take notice of the paralytics who exist among us. And rather than turning a blind eye to them, we are called to exhibit great faith in Jesus by picking them up, those who can no longer carry themselves, and bring them to Christ. Yes, we are called to carry them to Jesus so they may find healing and that they too might develop their own faith. For our faith can move Christ to show his authority and his power to heal any paralysis that prevents one from knowing his love and his grace. You see, that's the good news of the gospel. And together we play a part in that because God calls us as participants in his kingdom work to trust and believe in Him. And today my prayer is that God will open our eyes to see those who are paralyzed among us so that we might be faithful too in bringing them to the great physician, to the master healer, to the great high priest who calls us child, who reminds us to have confidence in Him and who forgives our sins and heals our infirmities. You see, our faith is not meant to be limited just to us. It's meant to be shared and to be used to bring about the faith of others too. So friends, may we do this, this day and forevermore. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.